You are listening to part two of An Immigrant Story with Beto Arcos. Follow his journey to success. Enjoy. I got a job at this biotech company uh, in Boulder uh, in, in the maintenance department. And one of the president, actually, I should say, the president of the company, one day I was in the, working in the parking lot. And he says to me, hey, Beto, I heard your show last night. You sound really good. <laughs> I said, oh, well, thank you. He says, you know, um, you should do that. That's, I think that's, that's your career. Wow. You know, have, you thought about, have you thought about going to school? I said, yeah, I, I, you know, I really would like to. Um, he says, well, you know, um, if you need help, my wife and I would be more than happy to help you. Oh, that wow. was the president of the company. Wow. That's so this amazing. is the second this is the second break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this man and his wife paid for my college. Now now you must be walking around with a, a lucky rabbit foot or something. Or you know, that's just, <laughs> just blessed. You know, it, hearing those sort of stories, sometimes it really takes a person to believe and say, hey, you have a talent. We're going to afford, you know, this opportunity. And then you were able to to make the most of that. Taking it back to immigration, it's like that's a part of the American story. Those certain instances where being afforded the opportunity and making the best of it, and you clearly did. So that's that's beautiful to hear. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how it happened. Mm-hmm. I would say probably the second break was when that guy who happens to be from Colombia mm-hmm. uh, invited me to do the show and trusted that I would do a, sh- a decent program and and said you you know you can have this show and I know you're that you're gonna do a good a good job. So I you know I'm thankful to that person that noticed that I could that I had mm. something to give, right? right? And then the next time, the next break is when the president of that of the biotech company offered to, to you know to pay for my college. So, mm. of course, I applied, uh, I became a resident, I got married um back in in Colorado. You know, I did my 4 years of college at the University of Colorado and graduated from um the department of uh, journalism, the school of journalism at the University of Colorado. And that was Pretty much how I ended up in this world that I'm that I'm in. Mm-hmm. It was, but I would argue that, yeah, the, the the college thing was important, but it wasn't the only thing that helped me get to where I am. Because ultimately, uh, it's about the work that you do. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I was uh, mm-hmm. while I was in college, I was you know full time taking fifteen credits, you know, a, a semester. I had a. I was working thirty hours, almost a full time job. Oh wow! Uh, at the at the same time, thirty hours a week. Uh, I mean, I had to stay within that uh, thirty hour work week because otherwise, I wouldn't get any benefits. Mm. So it was a, it was an extra, you know, it was extra work. But what the heck, I could do it. And then I also was doing a weekly show on the radio. Wow, that's like three uh, full time <laughs> jobs, basically. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and having that work ethic. Uh, and shows and that's actually I was going to ask you know what do you th- believe that they saw in you in terms of qualities just here right now 30 hours and then full-time school schedule 
work ethic is the first thing that <laughs> comes to my mind. Yeah, I mean, the the fact is, uh, you know, when I was in college, I was already, I was, you know, over 30 years old. Okay, you so know? you knew what I you mean, wanted, I, uh, you matured and you got to a stage where you you knew the things that you wanted to pursue, took it yeah, seriously. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I knew that I had to maintain a GPA that was decent and I knew I had to graduate uh, within the four years and and I wanted to make the the couple that helped me put you know pay for my college I want to make them proud yeah uh, sure. so I did the dean of uh, the school mm. uh, the first time that they, they awarded a the school of journalism medal yeah. uh, for for a good student uh, to me because wow. of you know the of the extra work that I was doing that I was I wasn't just a regular student. I was doing much more than, than the average. Uh, and so my the family, the couple that paid my college, went to the, mm -hmm. the ceremony, and they were uh, really touched mm -hmm. by the fact that uh, you know I I did more than they expected. <laughs> so that's a great story. So fast forwarding to now, I I, I must say I'm I'm quite jealous. I'm quite jealous that you, you get to travel to different countries to listen to great music and, and, and bring it back to people here. How, how did we get into that? Within a year after I moved to L.A., of course, I was, I was freelancing during that first year. It wasn't like the station here in Los Angeles hired me from, from Colorado. No, mm -hmm. I, I moved here for a year mm -hmm. and I was freelancing in Los Angeles, uh, you know, trying to pay the bills. And, and then a year later, I got a job at a radio station uh, here in Los Angeles. I was the <clears throat> operations manager and music director. Mm. And then um, little by little, I started to kind of get connected with, you know, the different people. And, and pretty soon people knew who I was, you know, mm. I was, you know, I created a daily music program on the station here in LA, world music show. In the end, it's all about who you know. Mm. who you who you know and of course they know that you that you do decent work so right. they're going to recommend you right <laughs> so uh, a friend of mine um a colleague uh, really uh on npr who's a reporter regular full-time she's been working for them for at least 30 years she called on me and says beto they're, they're looking for somebody to talk about the latin grammys uh this was about more than 10 years ago mm. uh i said wow uh, sure, you know, what do they want? You know, and I, I, you know, they, they just want someone with, you know, an expert to, to talk about the, the music and, you know, right. you can just ch choose some artists and talk about them. And that's, that's pretty much it. Right. I was already doing uh, pieces, uh, not just music, but I was also doing all kinds of cultural pieces for a program called Latino USA. Mm, okay. uh, I don't know I don't know if you've heard that program. It's mm. it's uh, it's syndicated nationally right. on through N, through NPR. Mm -hmm. And and it's heard on I don't know 400 stations across yeah, the country. Yeah, no, I I'm aware. I know of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so anyways, I I was a one I was one of the earliest actually contributors to that program. I'm talking here 1993 or 94 when the program went on the air. Right. You know. So I started doing national pieces already for and for that program, which was always, you know, uh, for me, that was sort of where I cut my teeth, if you know what I mean. That's where I really started doing pieces at a national level in the mid-90s. Uh, 
so, but I, you know, I, I kept doing that for a while and then I got the job here in, in, um, in Los Angeles. And then, uh, I sort of stopped because I had to focus on the full-time job. And then, um, and then I started to work for, a, for a singer, uh, as a, as a co-manager, uh, her name is Lila Downs, uh, L-I-L-A Downs. Yeah. It's kind of a, you know, me- Mexican, uh, sort of a world, you could say, you know, she sings Mexican songs, but also, uh, American influence, you know, songs and so on. And, uh, and that went on for, uh, you know, six, seven years, uh, and then I decided that I wanted to, you know, to, to continue doing pieces at a national level. So then when this friend called on me and said, Beto, they need, they need someone to, to talk about the Latin Grammys, that's when I started to, to kind of get back into the national, at the national level. Could you tell me what was your favorite trip that you've taken so far and, and why? Or do you have, do you have a favorite? <laughs> He's like, oh, I can't do that. It's like choosing one of your kids. Yeah, it's that's tough because uh you know if if you if you're familiar with my work you notice that I've traveled to a lot of different places. Uh I mean to be to be fair, mostly Latin America, right, but not only. Right. I mean I uh, last year I was invited to a festival uh in Oslo in Norway. Oh wow. Beautiful. Uh So so a, I guess to yeah. condense it then. So when you arrive, what's one of the ways that you feel is the best way to soak up the, the feeling of the city and, and, and the music there. Now, one of the things that I always tell people, if they want to get to know a country or a city, go to the market, mm-hmm. you know, go to the place where people shop for their food, get to know the city through its market. You get to see uh, the people in their actual element, their day to day lives. Yeah. And then and then at the market, you will see and hear a lot of different things. You will hear people listening to their music. You you will hear to, you know, normal, regular people are going to be listening. Most likely they'll have a radio. They'll have, you know, and today they have their cell phones, you know, whatever. They're listening to something. And most likely you will hear some sound of the country you're visiting. Right. You know, everything else, hotels are impersonal. You could be in this in a hotel in, in Tokyo, in Oslo, in New York, and it'll be the same. It won't yeah. feel like you're in a different country. Yeah, um, yeah but you when know, you go to the markets, you're able to see like, oh, wow, this is what grandma is bringing home for dinner and to cook that home-cooked meal and yeah. get to hear yeah. the real conversations of, the, of that place and that land and really get sort of entrenched why do you think it's important to travel to the to the origin place of the music genre like you're you're discovering or you're listening to does it change the listening experience or contextualize it in some form what sort of added layer does it provide well the the important thing for me is to understand how the music is made uh, because right. you know a lot of people tend to believe that you know, the best music you're going to hear is going to be on YouTube or on iTunes Mm -hmm. or on your latest, you know, digital platform. Um, Well, that's one way to listen to music. But if you want to get down to where the music comes from, how Mm -hmm. it's made, because ultimately music has something to do with 
the way in which humans relate to the world in which they live mm. whether whether it's in you know in a supermarket in in Bogota Colombia mm. or whether it's in in a small town in a village in Mexico where they have a band that comes to play music in the street every weekend and that's how they relate to music so to find out where the music comes from is as essential as why is music made how is it that music touches us connects us as humans no right. matter the language right you know because right. because it's the it's it's been said many times by everybody that music is the universal language yeah De uh, it, it is because it doesn't you don't have to know spanish or french or quechua mm. or yoruba to understand the music a group is playing or an artist is, is singing throughout all your travel what have you identified as like the common theme or feeling or just like that common thread that connects good music across the world personally when i listen to uh i think one of the first ones that i really got me like oh wow this is this is something it's doing something to me i think the fujis uh killing me softly you know with lauren hill just having that when that kick drum starts hitting and it's just her beautiful voice, I'm like, wow. As a kid, it sort of opened up my eyes like, whoa, you know, music can get this good. <laughs> In every different culture, it might be different sounds, but that feeling, I think, is the same. Well, I'll give you a couple examples. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I was in in a small town uh, in, a, in a city in Colombia a couple of years ago at a festival uh, of Vallenato, which is, uh, you know, one of Colombia's, one of many styles of music. It's just one because mm -hmm. there's so many of them. That was a festival of that particular style of music. <clears throat> and I remember seeing a kid who was probably 12 years old mm -hmm. with an accordion on a stage and this kid was holding the accordion and playing it and he was squeezing out some sounds yeah. and and I was thinking wow you know that kid is going to be big someday and then I thought no actually he doesn't have to be because he's already enjoying the music Mm -hmm. So much at this age. I mean, I can mm -hmm. only imagine what he's going to be like when he's 10 years older, when he's 22 years old and he's playing for an audience, mm -hmm. you know, with his band. He's He can clearly, when he's playing that accordion, you can tell he closes his eyes mm -hmm. and he's putting out that sound and he is just to him, that is the closest thing to squeezing out body in, a, in, a, in an embrace he's giving it his best he's giving it all he's got and there's nothing like that yeah. there's nothing like that to see you know a 12 year old playing an instrument with so much love and so much passion uh and, and you know pouring out his that soul to me, yeah yeah when i was in brazil uh this was about seven years ago i was doing uh, i did a number of stories about brazilian music for npr and for uh the world a bbc program mm -hmm. uh and i remember going to a to a samba school i don't know if you know what a samba school is it's it's basically it's a big you know big warehouse where they get together 
to practice for the carnival. Okay. They get together, you know, every week to practice their song that's going to be participating in the carnival in February, uh, which is coming up next month. So, um, so th- I'm looking down from above, you know, from like, I'm kind of at a, in a balcony level and I look down and on the floor and there's easily between three to 4,000 people, maybe more dancing their butts off. And I'm thinking, you know, the world could end tomorrow and these people are having a blast. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they are in their element. They are having the time of their lives, you know. And so I go down. Finally, I walk down to the floor to start taking pictures. And I start to look at people and and their faces and their the way that they are enjoying this time. You know, they're dancing samba. They're dancing this music with so much passion, with so much energy that you think, you know, nothing could they nothing could happen to them right now. And and if something were to happen, it wouldn't matter because they already enjoy themselves for the last few hours. It was it's it was just incredible to be there at that moment where, like I said, it was maybe four thousand, five thousand people, but it might as well be just a group of four or five people. Because they would have felt like it was this incredible kind of almost like a massive stew of people just like dancing and and enjoying themselves, you know. And they and when I I asked a friend of mine, I said, "So how long is this gonna go on?" I said, "It's already two in the morning, and I am beat. I am tired." I said, "I I can't stay anymore." He says, "You want to go?" I said, "Yeah, I'm I I'm." I've had enough. I said, you know, three hours here. I'm I'm tired already, and I'm not even there dancing. He says, "Oh, that's fine." You know, this this goes on until seven in the morning. Oh wow, goodness! <laughs> <laughs> that's that to me is music. That to me is life. That music that makes you feel it's it's visceral. Everybody who's around listening to it is is in that moment. They're not thinking about what they're going to do later. They're not thinking about what happened before. It's just that moment. And uh, those are the sort of, that's the sort of music you sort of live for. Yeah. I think in general, one thing that I've learned over the years is that it's important to tell a story. Uh, I need to be able to tell a story in about five minutes or so i need to be able to tell the story of a singer of the music that they're singing or or playing and why this music sounds the way it sounds to me the essence of uh of the music is not just whether or not they are singing in tune whether or not they're using the right chords whether or not it's not about the technicality, if you know what I mean. To me, it's all about explaining to Americans that the world is a lot bigger than the USA. Mm. To, yeah. to, to explaining to Americans that there's much more than American music. Explaining to Americans that we have a lot more in common with the rest of the world than meets the eye. Right. Uh, explaining to Americans that... Um, your neighbors to the south, you know, are very interesting and complex people, you know, that have a history that is 
ancient, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that we've received all of these influence from different parts of the world because, you know, what we now know as Cuban music is an amalgam, is a mixture of different influences from Spain, from Africa, you know, that that uh, that Mexican music is also influenced by, you know, all of these, uh, you know, uh, different uh, uh, migrations you know that, that have come to to mexico and and to ultimately let them know that uh, that we're we may be our neighbors to the south but we're, we've been actually living here for a long time too you know that 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 we are part of this country that we are part of this culture that we are part of this country called the usa right that that's beautiful last quick thing Who's your favorite music artist right now? <laughs> I'll give you mine and <laughs> too. Okay. <laughs> Who, who's your favorite music artist right now that you that you're listening to? You know, I it's that's a that's always a difficult question to answer, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try. Um, I do have several artists right now that I'm listening to, but if there's one that I think people would would and should uh, check out. Is a singer who happens to be from Spain. Her name is Rosalia. 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 So she's uh, she's a 25 year old uh, singer, and she has a new album uh, out that that's gotten a lot of attention and it's been reviewed by everyone positively, from the New York Times to uh, NPR to different mm-hmm. sites all over the place. Um, and what she's doing is really cool. Here's why I like her. She she's not a flamenco singer. You know, flamenco yes. is uh, one of the one of the traditional musics from Spain. Yeah. But she is infusing her her music, her songs with with a flamenco quality that I've never heard before. And she, in a sense, is uh, is revitalizing the tradition. But here, what I here's what I think is even more important about her is that not only is she a great artist, a great singer, and, and uh, you know, all, all in all, a, a good songwriter, but she's also getting a lot of young people, especially in Spain, but not only, to listen to flamenco, to traditional flamenco, that would not even care <laughs> to listen to before. So she's shaking things up so much that... People are oh so she's a fan of Camarón. Camarón is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, flamenco singer of all time, because that's that's what she said. I I had a chance to interview her in uh, in Madrid back in uh, in October, and that's what she told me. She says my biggest influence and the 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 the, the artist that I always look to is Camarón, and he's like one of the most incredible flamenco singers there ever was. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. All right. I'll definitely, definitely check it out and um, tell our listeners to check out. My, mine is a guy. He's a, a, actually a rapper, J.I.D. He's from Atlanta. Right now, currently in, in hip hop, is, you know, there's a sort of divide. It's, it's the lyricist versus, as they call the mumble rappers, the guys who don't really have too much to say is mostly the beat that's carrying the song he's a great fusion of having great beats is one of the hard-hitting bass but then also has that 
lyrical linguistics, let's say, that he could put together all diff- different types of words and stream it together, tell a story uh, through his raps. But it's current. It can still play at a club, but he's actually saying something. So he's that little bit of fusion between the, the lyricist and the type of beats, that, you know, right now. So I'll check him out. Sounds great. And check out Rosalia. Uh, you'll find, um, I think you'll find her cool because she doesn't sound traditional and she doesn't sound like straight ahead, you know, uh, R&B, but she's got R&B, she's got trap, she's got electronica, she's wow. got all kinds of different influences. Um, I think you'll find her quite something, uh, you know, and again, she sings in Spanish, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> For more content and immigration updates, please visit our website at EIGlaw.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at EIG underscore law and our Instagram underscore EIGlaw to join in the conversation. Thanks for listening. See you next time.